0: Ransomware in a box at bargain prices. And the new Homeland Security Secretary speaks out on cybersecurity. These stories and more coming up on the ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro. Ransomware is going mainstream. A Russian hacker is selling a ransomware kit for the bargain basement price of about 175 bucks. But act now. This is a time-limited offer. ISMG Security and Technology Editor Jeremy Kirk furnishes the details on this markdown
1: down version of crypto-locking malware. Ransomware is the largest underground cybercriminal business. And like any business, entrepreneurs find ways to innovate. A Russian-speaking hacker has cobbled together a low-end ransomware kit that costs just $175. It's aimed at those wanting a piece of the action. File encrypting malware has had a devastating impact. It's estimated that the scam has generated tens of millions of dollars. Victims must pay a fee in Bitcoin to gain the decryption key that unlocks files. While the FBI has warned organizations not to pay ransoms, it may be the only way to recover files absent a backup. Universities and medical institutions have paid ransoms, saying they had little choice. Like many other aspects of cybercrime, ransomware has increasingly become compartmentalized. About a year ago, security companies noticed the emergence of ransomware as a service or complete kits to run campaigns— the kits were offered for free. Andre Beresevich, director of Advanced Collection with Recorded Future, says newer members of cybercriminal forums were often locked out of such profit-sharing deals. That's because they hadn't built up enough of a reputation to be trusted. Thus, a newish product, the Carmen ransomware. A low one-off fee for the kit is in part what raised eyebrows. Andre Beresevich,
0: Carmen might be a gateway for newer, newer members into ransomware industry.
1: The person who is selling Carmen goes by the screen name DevBitox. He's allegedly sold 20 copies and is offering only five more. At $175 a pop, it doesn't seem like a big payday. Very Savage says it doesn't appear the hacker has any illusion of making a lot of money, and he's also not terribly interested in ransomware. There's also a burden in going to the mass market. Selling malware that remains undetectable to security products requires almost daily modifications, a process called called obfuscation or cleaning. Barry Savage says if the hacker requires too many customers, his service and his reputation in the underground will suffer.
0: It's impossible for him with this prices to sell it to a lot of people because now you're responsible to support all these copies because you still have to clean. They call it cleaning uh, and uh, uh, obfuscation of uh, malicious files. Probably every two to three days, you can imagine if you sell it to a few hundred people, you'll be doing service and maintenance on, on copies that you sold nonstop.
1: The advertisement for Carmen claims that it is FUD or fully undetectable. It's the term for a piece of malware that can slip past any security software. Whether that still is true is impossible to verify. But this hacker has shown that there's room in the lower end market for ransomware tools, which doesn't bode well for consumers and organizations. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Jeremy Kirk. The ISMG Security Report continues
0: after
2: this break. Innovation of Information Sharing, presented by Michael Daniel, President, Cyber Threat Alliance, and former White House Cybersecurity Coordinator. That Plus, the FBI, DOJ, and more industry influencers at ISMG's Breach Summit in Washington, D.C. Visit ISMGCorp.com to register today. The government, God knows, can't do it by itself. In fact, uh, probably uh, couldn't do it as well if it didn't have these partnerships with the commercial realm that I think should get better and better and better and better.
0: That's Homeland Security Secretary John Kelly explaining why the U.S. federal government must partner with the private sector to secure critical IT in and out of government. Kelly, earlier this week, delivered his first speech as Homeland Security Secretary at George Washington University, in which cybersecurity was just one small part of it. In a Q&A after the speech, Kelly revealed a recent trip he made to one of those technology partners.
2: I was just out in, in Seattle and met with the, uh, the leadership of Microsoft. They're very, very interested in partnering as we are. It's a, uh, something that uh, certainly President Trump has taken on and is uh, uh, you know, organized and is very, very uh, involved.
0: In his remarks, Kelly referenced an internal commission kind of thing being organized in the White House about the government partnering with the private sector on IT security, but he provided no details. Later, I emailed the White House, which referred me to DHS. DHS never replied to my inquiry. Kelly's views on cybersecurity matter. DHS is charged with helping civilian agencies and the nation's critical infrastructures safeguard their information systems and networks. Asked about the delayed issuance of the Trump administration's cybersecurity executive order, Kelly responded. Standing by
2: with bated breath, can't wait. At
0: least three draft versions of the executive order have circulated. The latest one revised in early March would direct the federal government to take a risk-based approach to IT security and hold cabinet secretaries and agency heads responsible for the security of their organization's IT assets. Shortly before leaving office, Kelly's predecessor as DHS Secretary, Jay Johnson, designated America's mostly state-run electoral system as critical infrastructure. Some states had griped that the critical infrastructure designation means the federal government seeks a takeover of the election process, a point Johnson vehemently contested. Like Johnson, Kelly said the critical infrastructure designation means that the federal government would merely offer states additional help to safeguard the electoral process.
2: That's controversial. I've uh, tried to explain to people why he did it and the, what it really does mean. But, uh, you know, it's another one of those here. We're from the federal government. We're here to help. Generally, when I say that, by the way, most people <laughs> head for the doors and they should. Uh, but the reality is we're, we're from the federal government on this. and We're, we're here to partner.
0: On a positive note, Kelly expressed optimism that Congress and the Trump administration can cooperate on cybersecurity matters. The secretary was especially kind to one of the most powerful members of Congress on cybersecurity lawmaking, House Homeland Security Committee Chairman Mike McCall.
2: I been really, really impressed with the interest by the United States Congress. Congressman McCall from Texas, as an example, he and his staff, extremely knowledgeable, very engaged, as is, uh, you know, other aspects of the Congress. It's a whole-of-government thing. And I think eventually, uh, with the way the president is going, that uh, it'll be a whole of government and a whole of the private realm as well. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for
0: information security news. Finally, Utah Republican Representative Jason Chaffetz is leaving Congress, having announced earlier this week they will not run for re-election in 2018. Chaffetz's departure is significant regarding Congress's role in overseeing the way the U.S. federal government defends its digital assets. Chaffetz chairs the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee. That panel furnishes oversight on federal government IT and IT security. From his perch as Oversight Chairman, Chaffetz persistently dogged Hillary Clinton over her use of a private email server. He chaired the House hearing last year that rejected FBI Director James Comey's recommendation that Clinton not be charged. Chaffis also held a series of hearings on the 2015 breach of computers at the Office of Personnel Management. That hack, believed to have been launched from China, exposed the personal information of well over 20 million individuals, many with security clearances. Chaffis was aggressive in his questioning of then OPM Director Catherine Archuleta and its chief information officer Donna Seymour. Here's an animated exchange between Archuleta and Chaffis at one of those hearings from June, 2015.
2: I've been here 18 months and I took seriously the audits that came before me. And that is why I have done and taken the steps. We
0: don't believe you. I think you're part of the problem. I think if we want different results, we're going to have to have different people. And if you want to refresh the deck and we want to put Mr. Osment or somebody else in charge like that, let's do it. That's then Homeland Security Assistant Secretary, Andy Osment. Because you know what, we got a crisis. That hurricane has come and blown this building down, and I don't want to hear about putting boards up on windows. And you know it's going to take years to get there. That's why I think it's it's time for you to go. And Miss Miss Seymour, I, I'm sorry, but I think you're in over your head. And I think the seriousness of this requires new leadership and a new fresh set of eyes to do that. I wish you both the best in, in life. I'm not out here to get you, but you know what? This is as big. As it gets, and they're going to have to be a new team brought in. That—that's where I'm at on this. And Chaffetz did get them. Archuletta and Seymour eventually resigned their jobs at OPM. That's the ISMG security report. Our theme is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Eric Chabro. Catch you next time.
2: Keynote panel cybersecurity in the era of Donald Trump. That, plus the FBI, DOJ, and more industry influencers at ISMG's Breach Summit in Washington, D.C. Visit ismgcorp.com to register today.